Hey, this is Brent. Hey, this is Jordan. What's up? This is Matt. Hey, this is Sean. And this is the Digital Ascent Podcast. Welcome, everybody. Thanks for joining us here at Digital Ascent. Uh, I have Jordy, uh, Brent, and Matt with me today, and we are looking forward to another episode. We'll go ahead and start off with the news topics, and then we'll roll into the main portion, which is how has technology changed society, you know, like holistically. And uh, we got some categories there that we're going to go through and just, you know, give our thoughts on it. But uh, alrighty, so with the news portion, what we got, guys? Oh, no, I'll hop in here. Uh, it might be a quick one for news, but the big one this week, uh, E3 is dead. Officially, it is dead. It's not coming back. Uh, uh, yeah, for yeah. the for the uninitiated, uh, E3. I have it on my soundboard. A, I could have played it, but Matt did it so much better. It was yeah. a yeah. really big, uh, you know, video game expo um, that happened, you know, summertime and and has happened for. Has it been over twenty years? I don't know when the first one. I know it was early two thousands. Um, but then the pandemic happened and, uh, they went away for a little bit and, uh, I correct me if I'm wrong. 95. I think they came back last year or maybe was it last year? And they did a, did you say 95, Matt? 95. I verified that is Google crazy. search, but yeah. Uh, so yeah, a little over 25 years. I think they came back last year after like a two year gap. Um, Wild. but, but I, it wasn't a fully, you know, wasn't like at a convention center or anything. I think it was all online. Um, maybe it was a year before that. Doesn't matter. Anyways, they've been on their way out for a while. Um, there are, uh, you know, the, a couple journalists I follow are even reporting on um, the last E3 uh, in-person event was in 2019. And while, you know, this sucks, this probably was going to happen regardless of the pandemic happening anyway, seems to be the, um, the general consensus. So, uh, I'm really bummed about this, guys. This was like a, a bucket list item for me and has been for a really long time. We actually I had tickets purchased for 20. I remember that. And then yeah, the I remember fuck. you talking about if, if how it gets canceled, you're going to rage. Uh, dude, I had, I had tickets purchased. We were ready to go. I had the PTO scheduled, slotted everything, and then uh, down in the dumps. So, um, yeah, that's it. E3's dead. It's over. Uh, but that's okay. Same, uh, Summer Games Fest happens. It's a event put on by uh, Jeff Keeley, um, who also does the Game Awards uh, every year. And so this really just gives uh, Mr. Keeley himself a larger window uh, to take hold, you know, over the summer. So anyways, yep, that's it for that one. Um, what's the other thing we we're going to talk about? Baldur's Gate. Baldur's Gate sweeping the Game Awards last week ridiculous uh six awards let's go let me see let's go it won six awards uh last week at the game awards uh those six were game of the year best performance best rpg best multiplayer best community support and player's choice um that was insane and i you know what i think a lot of the big games that you know i should say a lot of the game of the award game of the year (laughs) category were all the same games it was like spider-man alan wake baldur's gate uh that mario joint zelda and was it resident evil 4 or was it just those five yeah that that one cropped up sometime okay 
all of the almost all of the categories that Baldur's Gate was nominated in, like they won. And so like, oh, Spider-Man was the other one. I don't know if I said Spider-Man, but um, Spider-Man was nominated for almost all of the same categories. I don't think it won not one damn award last week. Um, so, Man, you know. Hard, hard year to compete against Baldur's Gate. Yeah, I you, was just about to say that. I don't think that says anything about Spider-Man or any of the other nominees. Yeah. I think it Ball, I think it says a Baldur's lot Gates about just, Baldur's Gate. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Highly I mean, recommend. I, yeah, I think I have 160 hours in it, and I feel like I have just an enormous amount of content left to see. <laughs> uh, it's it's there's there's just a lot there. The game is the game is great. When you think about the actual scale of Baldur's Gate and what they did, is huge. There's so not really compared like when and you think Mario, about Elden Ring. Aren't they like yeah, a small Larian. developer? Uh, like a, a really small developer? Because I've heard talks or conversations that like Baldur's Gate should technically be considered so. like an indie. Not anymore. Uh, okay. okay. I'm, I'm just a very, I'm, I'm not a lot of people doing it like them right now. It's fair. Yeah, apparently uh, more than 450 employees in offices in six countries. Mm -hmm. so, okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So yeah, not, yeah. not crazy I, small. Yeah, I Not think anymore, that they no. they were. I I'm seeing a PC uh, gamer article saying that um you know from back in 2022 saying that originally there were only like 150 um okay. <clears throat> people at one point and then they they grew over X many years. I'm sorry, I'm not seeing exactly how many years that is. Um, but they were they were smaller at one point in time when they were at least working on like Divinity Original Sin. Um and you know, Baldur's Gate's just a, I mean, like I played Divinity Original Sin and Original Sin 2, and they're both great, and I feel like each time they grew and learned and just made the game a little better, and Baldur's Gate 3 is fantastic, and I just, I can't wait to see what they, what they produce next. They're one of the few studios that I'm like, man, show me more, please, they have whatever a you've got. Is, have they? Is there DLC coming out for Baldur's Gate three, or is that like a one and done? I, I don't no actually know. Okay, so not I've announced seen, yet. No, I mean they 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 discussed they released it, calling it feature complete, and uh, they've added several features since then. So I guess that makes all of those DLCs perhaps. I'm not really too sure. And um, as far as game I, content, I'd be curious what that would look like honestly yeah like what do you what do you do you know like how do you slot it in there do you make it available in previous games it comes it comes slotted as a separate campaign that you do um either before or after and i'm think when i say that i'm thinking um of Baldur's gate 2 I'm thinking of um, the Neverwinter Night series, mm -hmm, things mm -hmm. like that, right? Where you just like like these these campaigns are treated as modules eventually, and you know it like it's almost like what you see now with a live service model, like you do with Destiny, but it's you know it's the the way that it was issued to like Neverwinter Nights two, what twenty years ago, or something like that. I don't know, whatever. I I hope there's DLC, please. I would love to see. Yeah, if more. there is, I'm down. Uh, I'm getting down. I'm I'm probably gonna Never buy gonna it. No. It's probably gonna be good. Yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, 
All right. Anything else? Can I slip one more random topic in there for us? Sure. And we we didn't talk about yeah. Um, so surprise topic, everyone. Uh, Microsoft released a new secure print driver. So uh, for those who have been paying attention, yeah, exactly. For those who have been like paying attention in the security world, you remember that print nightmare happened. Um, I believe it was in this past year, and that like they patched it, and then it turns out the patch wasn't good enough, and then they patched it again. And this this particular bug allowed you to leverage the print driver to. <clears throat> I think it was like you you could like use it to gain local administrative privileges sure could and you know just go hard and um i mean it was a really ugly bug and it took several months to patch it's one of those ones that if you have it in your environment i personally recommend that you work on rooting that one out um and uh they're you know so they're beginning to offer a new secure print driver um as of like the recording it was announced just a few days ago so i don't have a ton of details yet if you're in a position to look at things like that i personally recommend looking at it i know i'm going to be looking at it and seeing if it's something that we can use um you know hopefully it somehow makes the printing process easier my guess Doubtful. is that it won't yeah because nothing makes the printing process easier and I, I don't I don't know no matter I just I don't know no matter what I've no matter what I've done in my life it seems I'm like curious about functionality always... that that yeah. was my first yeah. thought was okay if yeah. you're fixing it That's what are you doing assumption. to like functionally mm-hmm. change how it operates and how yeah. is that going to play ball that was yeah my mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah my first big initial concern is are you going to lose feature sets mm-hmm. uh-huh. right because yeah. a lot of times that that comes like you, you get security by putting up barriers gates and walls uh, metaphorically and like streamlining like where before you had fences with like their chain link with holes where you kind of like you know tie things onto and things like that now you have something more like drywall that's a little harder to like stick something to so i don't know either way i just thought it was kind of an interesting thing and um you know i you know hope hopefully it'll make printing more secure Hooray. But at what cost? But at what cost? Yep. Yeah. More secure, but it still won't work. (laughs) Yeah, it's not going to work anyway. (laughs) So what's the matter? Secure, insecure. You're never going to get your papers printers. Good luck. Yeah. Go back to the manual printing press. (laughs) Yeah, right? Yeah, the printers are terrible. Sorry. We should just have an episode called Printers Are Terrible, and we all just sit there and riff on printers for for 35 minutes how much i'm actually about that i hate them with a fiery passion terrible terrible printer experiences yeah call it uh trash tech tuesdays we'll do it on tuesdays yeah Yeah, (laughs) talk about my my experience with my laser jets and how i had to clean i had to spend ink to clean the nozzles yeah gone <laughs> Brand <new> printer. What... <laughs> please, please calibrate your printer. You're low on ink. What? <laughs> I just put that thing in. What are you talking about? Bro, this was like this this happened to me. I know we're not doing an episode on printers, but this actually happened to me. I stuck, you know, I pulled out the thing and I was like, okay, new print cartridges need to be calibrated. Can't calibrate it because the, the, the nozzle's gone up so i do the nozzle stuff okay it works working on calibrating working on calibrating working on calibrating get it calibrated loading can't can't print the thing throughout throughout yep that like literally happened to me over the course of an hour i went from owning a printer to okay i guess i'm gonna buy a new printer gosh i hate printers yeah yep 
Mm-hmm. All right. Oh, on that note, what a fantastic segue. Not really. Um, yeah. So topic for today is how technology has kind of impacted society as a whole. And I wanted to do, this is somewhat of a philosophical question to a degree, but it is something I, I like sitting down and thinking of, not in a cynical or, you know, apocalyptic way, but just as a whole, you know, we've seen a lot of change in tech, right? Over the last few decades even. And so functionally how we work as a society is, is pretty heavily dependent on it. So I've got a couple topics here, or well, not topics, but categories for what we think are pros and cons, just generally talking about how it's, it's impacted our lives and then society as a whole. So first one is connectivity and communications, right? So I'll start it off to kind of give you an idea of where I'm going with it. If you think about the last 20, 30 years, we went from email, or no, we went from like primarily postage to now I can talk with anybody immediately in practically real time, in most cases real time, at any point. You know, you think of, um, what is it? What is that chat thing? I meant to look it up beforehand. I can't remember it. Basically, it's like roulette, and you just roll through different um, connections with people. Chat roulette. Yeah, chat roulette. Thank you. I was right there. I was close. Sure, good. Um, you had half of it right there, man. <laughs> I had the one word, right? It counts. Whatever. And so now, you know, I, I see these videos on YouTube shorts where there's this guy that speaks multiple languages, primarily Mandarin, but, you know, he's in these... I'll call them lobbies for lack of a better term, but with people to speak Mandarin and in real time with pretty high fidelity of video, they're having conversations. And, you know, if you think about the, not even just talking to people in your local area, but people around the world, and then you apply that to business, there's a whole level of communication that we've never experienced before in the history of our species. And it's really opened up a lot of doors. You think about business, you think about medical. So now you can get opinions from other medical entities outside of your country that are around the globe. So you can get specialists, right? And that's sort of a different topic. But for the sake of communication, you think about you know, being able to conduct business with anybody around the world immediately it's just it's kind of wild to me on the communication standpoint i i see it more as a pro than a con i think there are still cons though um you get cyber bullies you get people putting misinformation out there or just hateful speech you know it, that's just comes part and parcel with humanity it seems but you know for the most part there's a lot of cool stuff that's going on and there's a lot of positive things too, if you look for it. it. You know, I, I personally think that it's an algorithm training mechanism as far as what you search for and what you feed your, your algorithm is a lot of what you'll get. So, you know, I, I try to train my, my algorithms to do a lot of positive things to, you know, see people having success in their life or, you know, overcoming weight goals or, you know, fitness goals, 
you know, all sorts of things. But I, I mean, you can get all sorts of communication and input and learning on your cell phone. It's it's a thing that sits in your pocket and it's just, it blows my mind. So I'm gonna stop there because I want to hear from everybody else. But um, that's that's kind of how I want to roll through these. But uh, Brent, I'm gonna, I'm gonna popcorn over to you. You, uh, you said one thing that reminded me of a experience that we had not too long ago. I had to take my wife to the emergency room. I don't know. It was like July or something like that. She had, a essentially, uh, stones in her gallbladder. But, uh, when we went to the emergency room, you know, you, you obviously there's personnel there, there's, there's staff there, there's nurses and doctors right. and all that, but they rolled in a, essentially like a, a huge battery with an iPad attached to it. Yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> and, and the iPad, they're like, all right, hit the button to begin on the iPad. And, and this, this guy popped up from, I don't know where he wasn't at, in the building. I can tell you that much. And we went through like insurance paperwork real quick and all that. And like signed all the paperwork right there in the emergency room on this iPad. And like, he would be like, all right, you should see the form popping up now. And the form would pop up and we could review it real quick and sign it mm -hmm. and hit submit. And then he'd be back on the screen looking at us again. And we went through the whole process right there, like bedside over this, you know, rolling iPad and it was done. Like it, it was super convenient. Uh, and, you know, and speaking of like the healthcare side of it, I think it's amazing. I mean, you've got doctors during doing robotic surgery remotely, like overseas mm -hmm. yeah. operating on folks. Like imagine being asleep, laid out on the bed in a, in a hospital, like an operating room, getting worked on by robot hands from a doctor that's, you know, 5,000 miles away and you're relying on internet and satellite and... <laughs> all all these technology technologies that actually work without a fault so that uh you know i'm sure they have a lot of fail safes built into that don't get me wrong but it's just it's amazing to think about like yeah right we hope we hope it doesn't go terminator on us and like <laughs> rip us apart on the table yeah, but start spreading um, us right on the yeah. operating table start we're, we're in uh pulled pork mode we're gonna <laughs> uh, <laughs> start shredding uh, but there's a button that it just flicks. Pulled pork mode. Unsubscribe. You're dead, right? Uh, uh, unsubscribe. <laughs> it, it, it is amazing, though. It, it really is amazing how far we've come just just in that industry alone. I, I think that's. I think that highlights at least some of the pros that you you know were mentioning before. Mm. Um, that's my that's my personal experience with it. I won't draw that on any further. I'll let somebody else go. Jordan, you want to chime in? Yeah, I think um, it's funny, Sean, uh, just for the listener, Sean didn't tell us what he was going to ask us. He said, I'm going to line some, here's the premise, Here, here, here's what we're going to do, and then we started. Uh, so we didn't know, I didn't know we'd be leading off with that one, but immediately as you had said that, I don't, I'm going to be that guy again. Um, when I was deployed, I didn't have to worry about things uh, in the same way that like some of my peers had the last time they had deployed. Um, and you know, granted they were, you know, in country, you know, in that specific country a couple years, um, you know, before I had gotten there, all this to say, like, they didn't have cell service. I was just talking to somebody yesterday who like, in order for him to call, uh, not yesterday, last weekend, in order for him to call home, he had to drive to like a cell point three miles away, 
from like their base. And they could only go during the day. And that made things infinitely harder because they're running missions during the day. So he didn't always get to go home and call. Um, sometimes it would be weeks before you called home. Uh, I had my cell phone with me 90% of the time that I was, you know, uh, away from home and I talked to my wife every day. Um, so, you know, it's a very, and it, it's only been like five years. Uh, you know, uh, there was only a five year gap between the times that we had served. Uh, you take that back, you know, 10 years, 15 years. Uh, it's, it's, I was talking to my wife on the other side of the world with no, there was no, it's instant. just a very strange. Yeah, um, instant communication. Instant communication, man. And it's very strange. The only thing that we're worrying about is like, um, you know, the, the time zones and stuff like that, right? But uh, right. I had internet, um, which it was, it was like a brand new base. So like I, I would oftentimes think like while we're out there, like, man, we're, we are spoiled, right? Like this country being out here sucks. And the reason we're out here sucks, but... I got running water. I, I run my missions during the day. I'm back before 6 p.m. Uh, you know, my my ancestors, if you will, you know, 20, 40, 50, 60 years ago, they wouldn't have none of that. You know what I mean? So World War II, you would leave. I'll see you in two years. Uh, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> I'll right. send you some letters when I can. Dead. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Right? So I just, it's, it's, uh, it's crazy. That's the first thing that popped into my head. Uh, and it is, it's. Uh, lots of pros and lots of cons for being able to, you know, reach people in the way that we can um, as quick as we can and how that's 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 a part of the the light later segment. Um, but yeah, uh, the double edged sword, double edged sword. That's my spiel. Matt, bring us home. All right, um, man, for me, the what, what comes to mind is is what George kind of touching on is is relationships. And um, it really enables you to build and maintain relationships in a way Absolutely. that just wasn't possible. And as things developed, it's, or have developed, it's continued to get easier. You know, I, I remember when I was a teenager, you know, getting a girlfriend that was in the same area code as me, but was still like <laughs> a long distance phone call. And yeah, you know, I knew the rule. I knew the rule was don't call other area codes, right? Because other area codes equals equals more money. And you know, I didn't know the rule that there were magical lines within the that area. That is crazy codes. to me. <laughs> At Matt, which you point, are so old. What? How? <laughs> what? I'm so sorry, what the I, heck, man. I was I, just chilling, and Jordy came up and snipered me out of nowhere. Bro, Matt, that ass said, out of pocket. What are we doing here? Long distance what? calls used to be anything considered out of area code. I've never heard that before in my life, and that is insane. Yeah, you're old, Matt. Yeah, all right. Well, no, it's not just that. It's also well, you know, it's also in area code at magical points that i didn't know which apparently my girlfriend lived on the other side of and therefore hit me with like a 300 dollar phone bill my holy yeah. God. yeah yeah that's on both sides homie <laughs> that, <laughs> yeah let me tell you how happy our parents were with us sure. it was not yeah so oh, that relationship we had something similar though because i can remember growing up texting mm -hmm. girls and stuff and you had like a text limit oh, and i yep, would yep, always yep. run that crap all the way like, yep. you know yep. my parents basically mm -hmm. took my phone away they're like no yeah now you're done so so you know that's not really an issue anymore mm. right and um 
you know, as things have, have evolved, these, like these problems where there's like these limits and, and stuff like that on like what I consider to now be basic voice or like basic text communication, like they're gone. Like you just expect to be able to call most places and uh, not have to pay a, pay a bunch. And, you know, I definitely expect to be able to send and receive text messages without having to pay anything. And uh, it makes it really easy to you know, just maintain, uh, personal and professional relationships, both, both near and, and far. And it's something, you know, it's something that, you know, I'm really thankful for personally. I value relationships a lot. And so, you know, I see it as, as, you know, pro, I mean, there's some, there's some cons there too, right? Not all relationships are healthy or wanted. And, you know, um, that instant availability can become mm-hmm. a detriment when you have mm-hmm. a relationship that you no longer wish to maintain. You are mm-hmm. easily accessible. You think about yeah. stuff like, uh, you know, oh, man. It, your it, car it, warranty and all the robocalls that you get or mm-hmm. cold calls or emails or, you know, it, it, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's not just that also, right? I mean, there's, there's the other part that you have a, a phone number they get phone numbers are not quite public knowledge right they're pretty close at these these days you can really get them and so you know if you don't want somebody to have your phone number it's you know it's very hard to not receive messages on like a very personal level also right where mm-hmm. where you can be targeted or attacked for all the way down from cyber bullies um up to like um Malicious I don't know actors. stalker. Yeah, malicious actors, stalker stuff, whatever things that that I don't really like want to get into a ton here. Um, so I mean, there's there's some cons too, right? We are we are now tethered to this thing that you know. Also, as a you know, not only can we send information, but we can receive it, and we can receive it in an unbidden manner. And those relationships can be, um, gosh, mandatory is not the right word. But there's a point where if somebody really wants wants to harass you, there is no way to ba- like. It's very hard to basically be like only these twelve numbers can come inbound to me or something like that. Right. right? It it makes the the it's hard to operate in our world with that type of thing. I don't know. So there you go. There's well, your pros and your cons. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It and that's. I think as we get further down this list, we're going to start getting more into the cons potentially. But um, I, I think, actually, Brent, you already brought up one of them, which was the healthcare side. Um, I, I, I think one of the other cons to the healthcare side is now that everything's digital, even with HIPAA compliance and other things, your information is pretty readily available for anybody who wants to really breach those things. Um, and it's somewhat scary to the level of how insecure things are when it comes to sensitive information. So it, that's, that's a scary side for me as, as far as the healthcare. And, but you could say that really with anything that's put in the, into the digital sphere. Right. Um, but I'll, I'll leave that for later. Uh, so the next one is education. And this is not so much, I want to clarify, not like K through 12, but education throughout the entirety of your your life now. Um, there's so many different avenues for education that it's, it's kind of wild. 
So, you know, at this point, you can pull up a YouTube video and say, I have this specific problem with X car, show me the fix. And then you have somebody that is a mechanic and you can literally pull it up. You can learn languages, you can, you know, take physics courses, you can get into IT, you know, by going to Udemy or CBT Nuggets or wherever you want to go, YouTube, again, you know, there's there's so many avenues for you to shift careers or learn about a career or just learn in general. I mean, you know, the other day I was watching Netflix and it was a documentary on like just how vast our planet is. And so, we, you know, humanity as a whole was pretty limited for a long, long time to the specific area that you were in. You think about the people that came over on the Mayflower and, you know, mm -hmm. settled America. It's like, okay, well, these people had no idea. They just said, sailed out in the ocean and said, ah, there might be land. Maybe not. I don't know. And they just went for it, right? And so now it's, there's so much knowledge to be absorbed. But here's the con for me nobody utilizes it to the fullest capacity in my opinion there are people that do it and i think i think that it is done but when you think about the fact that we have an infinite amount of information which also needs to be verified because now you have that's another con of you have information and you have quote unquote educational things but Fact-checking those is, uh, you have to be really diligent because you can have thoughts and ideas swayed very easily by taking things at face value. And so I think that's another problem with our, that kind of goes into the, the next one, which is the culture and societal changes. Um, but I think it's underutilized a lot of times, at least from like my direct sphere. I see it being impacted because now you have like online colleges where you can do college education at your own pace and take... A single course or whatever and it's you know there's a lot of good things that comes from education but I, I think for me it's underutilized so i'm gonna i'm gonna stop there and we'll we'll keep the same order so brent what are your what are your thoughts on the education side my friend i i think it's it's double-edged for me because I, I agree with your point on it being um underutilized to some extent i also feel like it has brought a uh, generation of individuals that don't quite know how to think for themselves because all that information is Ooh. so easily accessible Ooh. and they can just pull something up and be like, well, YouTube said this, TikTok said that this is how I do this thing. And like, it kind of ties into what you were hinting at with the whole, you know, it's very, that, that solution is one person solution that decided to post mm. it somewhere. And now everybody's following that way of doing something. But I think it really hurts society to some extent. I know you said we're going to kind of go down that path here shortly, but uh, because I don't think anybody quite knows how to do things for themselves anymore. They mm -hmm. just automatically pull out their phone and say, well, let me Google this. Let me find this on YouTube. Let me use chat GPT. And, you know, if you're like, for me, I'm pulling up chat GPT daily as a tool. But I think so many people are assuming and using it to some extent as the solution. They are mm. literally piping something into that and whatever it gives them, that is, that's the answer. That is the solution. That is what they're going to use. And that, it just kind of like, they're just coasting at that point. They're not thinking for themselves. They don't, they're right. not even understanding how to get from point A to point B because 
whatever it is, the technology just it solves skips that the, for them. It, it, it skips, skips all that. A to Z, right? Like right, the yeah, whole all process that, of getting there. Yeah, I see what exactly. You're all that, all that problem solving ability that that you know the intellect that goes behind understanding how something works. In a lot of cases these days, it's no longer needed because mm-hmm. the, the 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 premise is, well, why reinvent the wheel? Someone's already done it, you know, 40 times. Let me go find one of those 40 people that decided to share that knowledge, and I'm just going to use that. And I, so I think in, in a lot of ways, outside of, a, outside of your core folks that, you know, or your, I, I should say your small subset of folks that really embrace that and then iterate and think outside the box, I feel like you have a higher percentage of what I would call like the masses now that just kind of go with the flow. And I, I feel like ultimately to some extent, it kind of hurts innovation at the mm. front end of the spectrum because those folks are never going to, I hate to use the word evolve, but they're never going to pull progress. themselves. Yeah. They're never going to progress past a certain point because they're kind of limited by this subset of knowledge that they're already being fed. Mm. Um, and I, and I think that goes with education in general, like even like my kids' education these days is a little bit more fine-tuned and specific because of technology. You know, they, they've really have gone through the curriculum and, and determined, well, we're going to take these things out, and now we're doing subtraction and addition this way, and long division's done this way. Anytime I look at my kids' homework, and I, I'll get the problem, and they're like, well, how did you get the problem? And I'll show them how I got it or how I got the solution to the problem. And they look at my work, and they're like, what is that? Because oh, they've learned dude, a yeah. whole different, they've got acronyms for everything now. And they're oh, singing songs yeah. about how to solve this and solve that and so on and so forth. And I mean, like my kids are issued Chromebooks. They're, you know, they, they take home Chromebooks every night. Mm-hmm. They have to make sure to charge them. They're using those in school. They use them for homework. It's, it's quite the evolution. So there's, I think there's a huge amount of pros if they're used, if technology is used as a tool. But I think there's a huge amount of cons if we are so heavily relying on it as being the end all. And I think sure. that's where you get the crowd that's like super scared of AI. I think that's where that crowd comes from because they don't know any better. They assume that, okay, this thing is going to take, you know, half the jobs in the world and it's going to, you know, it's going to take all these people out of work. And what are we, we going to do? Up, right? You calling me out right now? Sounds like you calling yeah. me out. No, like. but you, you know what I'm talking about. Though. You've, got, you've got some people that are genuinely scared of AI. Oh, yeah. And, oh, yeah. I, and I do think some of it's warranted. Don't get me wrong. But as it is at this exact moment, it is a tool. It should be used as a tool for learning. It should be used as a tool to feed information into the computer and say, hey, how do, how do I understand this? Help me understand this. How would I solve for this? And learn from that. And then you don't, that's, it's said and done at that point. You don't have to use a tool anymore because now you know how to do it for yourself. You're not just relying on it for that solution. So anyways, that's, that's my little rant. Jordy, since you're the closest to that, uh, that generation that Brent was talking about, I'm curious to hear your opinion. Perfect. So I've got two points here. I'm going to lead with, uh, the first one, which is, uh, side tension here. You know, like uh, almost 100 years ago, actually, uh, perfect analogy here. Have you guys seen Oppenheimer? I have not yet, unfortunately. I have not. Well, you know what? It's freaking history anyway, so it's not really a spoiler for you, okay? 
at the beginning of that movie, the first, you know, quarter of it, uh, they're following, you know, Oppenheimer around and he starts in, you know, Europe, right? And he's, he's learning from, you know, the best, you know, doctor, scientist, physicist guy out there, right? And he's learning quantum theory. And then, you know, he, he's like a top student. And they tell him, hey, you want to you want to keep learning? you want to continue this, you know, this journey you're on. You need to go learn from this guy over here in this country. So then he goes to another country and he does the same thing over. Then they tell him something else. Then he goes to another country, does the same thing. Over. This like nine times. All right. Uh, and then decides that he's going to come to the United States and he's going to start. Theory himself. Right? Uh, and the point that I'm making here is, I mean, this man spent a a good portion of his life just traveling the world trying to learn from, you know, the best minds in the field that he was trying to, you know, get into. Um, and he had, to, he had to physically be there. There was no way, they, they didn't have the internet. There was no, you know, hey, let me just write down, let me, uh, oh, sorry, not write, let me type, you know, all of my, my scientific theory into this paper and then I'll upload it and I'll share it with the scientific community instantaneously. Uh, no, this dude was traveling for a decade. You know what I mean? He went to school himself and then had to, had to move all over the place, right? Whereas today, if that same breakthrough were to happen today, that change can, can like I said, be instantaneous. There is no uh, click, upload, boom, now it's out there, right? Um, and I think that's crazy. It's fascinating. It, it knocks, you know, literal years off of, uh, mm -hmm. you know, uh, us as a race you know, getting to that next generational breakthrough, whatever that is, right? Mm -hmm. uh, perfect segue into my second point, which is um, they're kind of like unorthodox as far as education is concerned, but I still feel, you know, kind of meets that same, it's about learning, right? And, and what is education really? Uh, anyways, my second point being, <laughs> uh, Sean, oh, to your deep. point, uh, mm. we have access to, you know, an ever-growing uh, repository of information. That is the, that is the, look, in a really weird way, we're already kind of like cyborgs, right? Now I'm getting real way off on a tangent here, but like, I don't ever, my phone is not <laughs> ever, you know, Hold 10 on. feet away from me. It, what, I've heard what, this recently. This is I, the second time I've heard somebody recently go on this rant that phones <laughs> are the first cyborg evolution. I'm not messing dude, with you. And it was not Jordy that did this rant. I was like, I, and I, I look, had the Sean reaction. And then I listened to Jordy and then I listened to the rant. And I was like, you know, that's not the dude, most crazy thing I've ever heard. So Jordy, not, give, give him the right, rant, right, buddy. Spit it out. Right? It's not that far him, All I'm saying is Hit him with I don't, it, I'm, man. I'm never 10 feet away from mm -hmm. my phone, right? Which means that I've got instant access to every single question that I could ever have about anything in my life, right? We've talked yeah. about AI uh, at, on mm -hmm. several different episodes, not just this one, but specifically we've talked about AI. Where do we think that's going, right? In the next 15 years, it's theorized that we'll have, you know, actual, you know, AGI, what is it? Artificial generative intelligence, uh, uh, you know, software that can think for itself, uh, right? Um, and we're literally making these things to help us do things in our life, right? So it's like, I, I don't know, man, it's, it's the, the, the point that I'm making is, uh, Sean, to your point, to, you know, open this topic or question up, we have these machines and, um, 
it's like, why, why do we need to ask questions anymore? Cause I could just type, you know, I'm sure I've been in meetings or calls with you guys where I, you know, I start to ask a question, stop and say, I'll just look it up. Why am I, <laughs> I've got a computer in my pocket. Let me just, you know, pop this question in real quick. Uh, and then we can go from there. And, uh, again, to your point, Sean, of just people underutilizing that there's so much ignorance in the world. <laughs> there's so much ignorance in the world, myself included, right? I've had my, I've had my, my days, uh, just pick up the phone and and oh and when i when i say that it's underutilized some, i'm i am part of that category that was not an, an elitist statement whatsoever i did not I am, take it that I am way at all hardly like, yeah hardly set into that category i it's more of a self-criticism than it is a, a judgment absolutely i okay and that's where i was coming from man of of you know i'm we can know anything i was watching this uh you know my wife and i want this is my last bit i'll wrap this up we can pass this over to, to matt but um, you know, my wife and I watched this, uh, YouTube guy, his name's Chris Gazette, and it's a team of these, uh, scientists who they study space and they take all of the, you know, things that they learn, the theory, all that stuff, and then they animate it and they talk about it. So it's all nice and, you know, digestible. And it is, I mean, it would go over a kid's head, I would assume, but it is, uh, cause it's real deep stuff, but all this to say, you know, one of his videos, he was saying like, you know, the average person today knows more than an astronomer like a hundred years ago. Um, IQs are bigger uh, or larger. Um, they are statistically, I just looked that up. Uh, I guess uh, statistically, there is a generational increase by about nine points um, to, you know, the general IQ as, as we progress forward. Um, and uh, generationally uninitiated is about 25 years. So just throwing it out there every, anyways, it's crazy. We've got all this information at the, at the touch of our fingertips. Um, and, uh, it, it kind of changes the game. I don't got to travel the world to, to learn the next big thing. You know what I mean? Nor do we have to wait years for the next breakthrough that happens in England. You know what I mean? For it to, for it to get all the way to us. Uh, and that's my spiel. That's my point. Thank you for going to my TED talk. <laughs> uh, that was a good TED talk, man. I appreciate it. Thanks, man. Um, I appreciate you. Yeah, no problem, man. So, um, I th this one kind of hits home for me. I I've done the brick and mortar college thing, and um, I've done the online college thing. I honestly strongly preferred the online college thing. It it worked for me way better because I could just breeze through the stuff that I knew. And, um, I can consume, I, I can, I could consume more than what my college classes were feeding me by just like trying it myself than I was just by sitting in a classroom waiting for somebody to talk to me. I can just, I can read it faster, pick up the concepts faster. So that, I mean, for me, that was huge. Right. And, um, that's continued to be huge for me as I've gotten, you know, certifications and, you know, this, that, and the other thing. Um, looking forward on this one, I very much am hopeful for AI. I have found AI to be basically the best tutor available. And um, it is seems to be limited by how good you can tell it to be a tutor of, basically, right? If you're really good at prompting and you can tell it, like convince it it's an expert in XYZ, and that it knows how to find that experts like that that information and be that expert and have that expertise it's really fantastic and um you know like i like i know people that are like teaching themselves about tensorflow and machine learning and like they have 
these master genius plans to, you know, develop camouflage and, and stuff. I mean, like it's, it's, it's wild that they, that the stuff that they're thinking of. And I mean, they don't know about any of that. You know what they're doing? They're going to chat GPT every single day. And, you know, they're like, well, what if I do this? How does that work? You know, and they're teaching themselves how to do it. And, um, you know, I keep thinking about when I went to go teach myself Python, thank you, internet, way better than, you know, picking up Python for dummies, in my opinion, you know, going to like Code Academy or W3 or something. And, um, you know, I, gosh, I think the next, the next time I go to, to learn a language, I'm sure Python won't be my last language. ChatGPT is going to make that way easier for me. You know, the next time I'm like, what is a class? You know, I don't, I don't have to spend, you know, 30 minutes reading angry comments and stack overflow, right? I can just go ch ask chat GPT what a class is and it'll tell me, and it won't call me stupid at the same time. So, um, that's how I feel about that. I, I do feel like there are some cons, um, information overloads, a serious problem, you know, where do I go mm. to like, get it? How do I know what's good information? Well, now that I found some information, you know, like, how do I know that it's good? Well, I have to go vet it. How do I vet it? I have to go find the sources and you end up in a, like this like doom loop of, of get a piece of information and then you have to spend more time verifying it than receiving information. And, you know, every receive act requires three like go check acts basically. And it's for anything that's really important. It's very frustrating. Um, I am personally hopeful that AI will be helpful here. And um, I've had pretty great success so far asking, you know, ChatGPT4 or uh, New Bing or Copilot um, to summarize articles and, um, you know, tell me about news events and stuff. And so far, it's, it, I mean, like I, I go, I, I tell it to do summary and then I go read the article and I go, okay, these things align close enough that I'm, I'm satisfied with it. And I'm, I'm not finding a lot of problems. Uh, once again, I would never trust it at this point. Not, not like on anything that really matters. Everything that really matters requires, you know, manual verification still, but it, you know, cuts down some of the like, simple stuff. And that's my, my feelings on that. Uh, I, I'd agree as well with the verification i think it's good to have with technology in general a healthy bit of skepticism on the information that you're reading um you know if it's like you said if it's something important you should probably go check it but that's been the process for forever right yeah so that yeah. i think that goes back to something that brent was talking about which is like you know you you kind of you need to think for yourself when you're receiving these things don't just assume mm -hmm. actually vet because very much you yeah. know it, it does kill innovation but it also um in the sense that like innovativeness of you from yourself but also making sure that there's due diligence mm-hmm yeah, it's a really critical part of it, right? I mean, it realistically, this just helps with some of that, like, some of that front end. You still have the back end checking, but now you can, you know, the best way to think about it is is that 
you know, if I'm reading articles on Reddit, all right, I can go to the news article and, you know, it's 500 words and, you know, I should probably just read them, but I'm not going to because, you know, I don't have time for that. So instead I go to the comments, I try to hit the top few comments, right? And, mm-hmm. um, you know, that's good, I guess, but you can get a gist of an article, but ChatGPT can do better than the comments and it's faster than reading the article. So, you know, it gets you it like aggregates information mm-hmm, in a much more yeah. digestible fashion. In my yeah. Opinion. Yeah, I agree. And then, you know, there's the obvious you can turn around and then, well, tell me about this, you know, contextual fact that's immediately related to it. Right. And the, you know, this helps with the information overload. It helps with the education. Uh, once again, it's a lying sack of crap sometimes. So con with, <laughs> with all of that about, all right, there we go. Okay. So we're getting long on the episode. So I, I'm going to combine uh, the last two, but, uh, it's basically somewhat similar or it falls under the category. So it's, it's cultural and societal changes, but I'm lumping in entertainment and leisure inside of it. And I think the reason why these two kind of go hand in hand is that when you look at specifically where we're at, you know, United States, there is this. I'm going to use a big word here, but I can't think of another one. I'm not trying to be fancy, but there's a juxtaposition with, you know, this entertainment versus being productive. And that's a big struggle for me personally is, is the, I have an infinite amount of entertainment in front of me, specifically video games but other things as well netflix youtube hulu sports everything i mean anything you can really think of that you want to dive into you can be entertained by it if you really want to be and so it's hard for me because while some of that entertainment is tied into psychology philosophy um you know education and and trying to better myself, some of that is obfuscated by the amount of, for lack of a better term, leisure that I I consume. And there's always this, and this could be my own, uh, my own brain being too harsh, but it's definitely impacted me because I feel like I lean more on the entertainment side. Um, but if, if you take a, you know, 30,000 foot view of society as a whole, it's really wild to see the amount of interaction that different ideologies can have now. It's almost in line with what Matt said about the information overload. There's, there's so many different political you know, religious, everything. And I'm not leaning for or against, I'm just making a general statement here. Like the amount of those things that occur and how quickly that those exchanges happen, um, again, uh, to me, it's just crazy how much almost every society in the world um, is tied to technology now. It's like the equivalent of the steam engine, right? Or um, the industrial revolution. The, I mean, it, it functionally changed how 
society as a whole worked. And so what I'm curious about is we're in a current iteration with the way things are moving, with how fast those iterations come, what does 10, 15, 20 years look like with technology? God, like, man. I mean, I can't even fathom it. So you look at sci-fi, you know, you look at the old Shatner, um, Star Trek, and you go, those little handhelds, well, we got that better. They couldn't even fathom what we have now. They couldn't think forward far enough. And so you, when you look retroactively back, you go, my God, they had no idea. What are the next generations going to do? It's absolutely wild to me. And yet what's so funny is that it's still primarily, I don't say primarily, there's a large portion that's malicious. And it kind of bums me out because, not kind of, it really bums me out because it's so friggin' cool. Like if you think about the age of technology, which is what we're in, like a, a true definition, age of technology, it's, it's insanity that we still have some of the problems that we have. And I'm not gonna go into a whole bunch of detail, but it, it just, it's crazy how you have infinite amount of entertainment, you have infinite amount of communication, you know, it, 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 so I'm really curious to see if these problems exacerbate themselves um, as things go forward, because it hasn't, it's solved a lot of problems, but it's created new problems. And so how do you deal with those? And that's probably a never ending cycle, right? So maybe I'm just being overly pessimistic for no reason. But I, I think it's really, really cool. I'm just, I'm interested to see where things go as a whole with technology and how it how it changes humanity. Because, you know, me personally, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm looking for the colonizing the stars portion you know what i mean that's that's where i'm headed so all right i'm gonna shut up brent yeah I, th I mean i think i really i honestly felt like by this point in time with all the progress we made halfway through the last century on you know space exploration and 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 you know getting to the moon all that the effort spent involved in that and then we just kind of stopped i feel like and so I, I'm, I'm with you on that. The, the mm -hmm. whole going back to the stars, being able to survive that, be, be able to excel while in the stars. Like I understand we got you know, folks on the International Space Station and stuff like that. And, and, but, I, you know, it's like, okay, we did that. What is next? And I, and it, I know money's a concern. And, you know, I, there, there's the whole, like you were talking about before, the political part of it. And, mm -hmm. and you know, that's, that's a, that's a multi-country, uh, you know, worldwide effort if we want to do it right. That's not just the United States pulling no. that off. That mm -hmm. is everybody working thing. together. Yep. And so we have to get our own crap straight first mm -hmm. in order to kind of make that happen. You know, if, if our, if the house isn't in order, nothing else is going to be in order. Right. So, I, but I'm, I'm all about that. I, I would love to see more space anything i feel like we are way behind on that just as a human race i feel like we should have been just further along and i think probably you know to that same extent but going down you know there's depths of the ocean we have no clue what's down there um you know rest in peace the folks that were on that i can't even think of it now but you know the little sub that went down we can't 
we have you know very specialized equipment that goes down there and is able to see to a certain extent, but there's parts of the ocean that light can't even penetrate. We can't get to it because it's the you know it's so pressurized and it's so it's it's very similar to space and and the the technological advancements that we need to make to make it possible to to one be able to survive down there without imploding. Same with with going up into space. It's kind of the same premise, being able to survive while out there, but also just be able to like once we get out there. Okay, now how do we collect information and process that information that we can use to advance society, to advance mm-hmm. technology further? Um, I'm I'm of you know we won't go go down that rabbit hole, but I do believe I I will say I find it hard to believe that we are the only folks out there the only intellectual beings out there i, yeah, just I just say it bro why are you dancing on yeah why am i dancing you got three on? believers right here yeah, don't just go, just go <laughs> believe yeah believe I, and what i'm you know i'm not saying aliens and like the the traditional stereotypical thing but i i really do find it hard to believe that with all the knowledge we have to this point and we know there's other planets i find it hard to believe that there's not other organisms to some extent out to some extent out there but also organisms that have intellect that have advanced either to our point or much further than us and we just don't we don't have the capability to to see that to to communicate with those uh those those organisms so or those beings whatever however we want to phrase that so i yeah i'm I'm right there with you on that i think immediately we're going to see, you know, back kind of back down to earth. Let's shrink the time frame a little bit. We're, we've been hung up in the whole AI discussion quite a bit. I definitely see AI being the focal point. I, I forgot mm. where, I don't know if we talked about it or if I read about it, where they said that AI is like the next industrial revolution. It's the next phase yeah. of the, of that. No. Um, or it's, it's, you know, like similar to that. It's, it's where we're at right yeah. now. It's like a technological yeah. revolution. I, th- I think we're going to see AI baked into everything. It's going to change. Yeah. Oh, you the see way it already. We, yeah. But we're, I think we're going to see it. It's going to be just a core thing. We're going to be so used to something responding back with some level of understanding, some level of being able to associate millions of sets of data points together in a split second and come back to us with an answer and, and it be responsive. You know, it'd be conversational we're going to see a lot more of that, I think, in every little thing that we touch day to day. And then past that, I do think that, you know, talking of like having a cell phone in our hand, for me, I think the next evolution of that, the next iteration of that, once it comes, like once we stop holding a device, I think we're going to have whatever an implant would look like. Whatever that turns out to be, I think we are going to have something that is attached to our body in some shape or form. And we're going to be connected like we've never seen before. We're going to have, we're going to, we won't even hear a notification. Our brain's going to interpret an electrical impulse that is a notification. We, you know what I mean? Like we're going to have that sort of thing. We're going to finally figure out the human brain. I think, I think AI is going to help drive us forward on that. that, It's wild. I know, I know, but you've got people pushing for it. I just read an article the other day where they, they said they have, um, they were able to grow portions of brain cells and hook that up to AI. And the AI is to the point now they've, they've got it to where it can interpret the electrical impulses from those brain cells 
and kind of like very basic, like yes or no, like, like zeros and one responses to certain stimuli. And the AI is able to like pick up on that pattern and be able to essentially act as like a translation layer of saying yes or no from those electrical impulses. So if we're able to further, you know, decode that, that, you know, that age old cipher of the brain, the human brain, I feel like that's the, the, one of the few pieces of the human body that we've yet to like really figure out. I mean, we'd be to the point where we could cure dementia, uh, you know, um, Parkinson's, those sorts of, you know, just those neurological heavy brain focused diseases, we'd be able to get around all that stuff. It, you know, the, Brent, the AI, Brent, like, I think you would really, you would really enjoy the Mechanicus from Warhammer 40 K. You're, you're talking like a true zealot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know oh, yeah. enough about him to agree with that. Yep. Brent's, Brent's <laughs> looking for the Omnissiah right now. He's just all about it. He knows. Oh, heard that. No. But Sorry, that's, that's, anyway. that's my rant. Uh, <laughs> Jordan, go ahead. I, um, it's funny. I, I, you dropped it a couple times, Brent, and Sean, you may have said something about it, but I'm, I've been constantly thinking of like, what the next, what's the next big thing. And it's, I feel like it's been, that's probably been one of the reasons I've been so excited about AI is like, that is the next big thing. Right. And I think the last thing for us was probably technology wise, like the iPhone, uh, right at a very general level, like change the way that we all use interact with phones. Um, and, um, totally up for debate, but just at a consumer level. Right. Um, and it is, it is strange. Like I'm trying to remember back, then where it was like, oh man, that's such a cool, I was really young anyways, but oh, that's so cool. Uh, especially, you know, thinking of what, you know, I grew up and my mom finally did get like a cell phone. Oh, that shit was whack, man. Like, you know, like, oh, it's, uh, they were terrible. Um, and uh, so to see the iPhone is like a cool, and I'm not, I'm not trying to get stuck on this stupid phone. But like, that's how I feel right now, like really giddy about new technology that seems to just not be a new fad. Um, it's crazy how much this has been integrated into everything already. Um, you know, even like a Google search is not just a Google search anymore. Um, now they've got, you know, their generative AI is now uh, uh, summarizing you know, like uh, the answers and all of these different articles, which just gets us the information super quick. Um, and now I can spend my time doing other things. And really, we're talking about like milliseconds to seconds, you know, back, uh, you know, for a, a, an ROI, if you will. Right. Um, but it's the same thing. 30, 40 years ago, we had to we had to send letters to people. <laughs> I'm waiting days. I'm waiting weeks uh, for a response. You know what I mean? Um, you know, uh, I guess that wasn't the main way of communication, but you get what I'm saying, right? You go back far enough and, you well, know, you had the telegraph and just a couple seconds stuff, that you so, I mean, there's, there's yeah, ways, right? Up until cell phones or not cell phones, but just regular telephone communication in general, you know, was a thing you're taking a long way around, you know what I mean? Uh, and so it's, I, when you look at that, sometimes I, I kind of laugh at like, man, it's. It's crazy how annoyed that we'll get if like a web page takes like half a second to load longer than it than it normally would. And it's like, man, I'm ready to 
blow a gasket and throw my keyboard out the window uh, because something's not working right here. Uh, but a couple generations ago, that's all they did was wait. <laughs> And they didn't have the internet uh, or video games to fill the time, right? So, um, you know, I think on the opposite end of that token, uh, that like how quick we can have all these things at our, our fingertips, it's kind of it's kind of soiled us a little bit, right? Um, you know, I feel like uh, millennials are probably the last. We we were a generation born uh, at the end of you know the old ways and right into the new. Right. And so, you know, we had VHSs and VCRs in my house. Uh, and uh, I talked to my cousin about what those things are. And he looks at me like I'm stupid. You know what I mean? And there's a 12 year <laughs> gap between us. So uh, it doesn't feel that long. And like you, you blink your eyes and it's like, holy crap, we're already another generation ahead. And there's an entire generation of technology that at one point in the last 30 years was state of the arc. And now nobody's got them. You know what I mean? So, um, I guess the what I'm really trying to make as a final point is, you know, the the quicker we can do these things, it's and we know already there is an impact on, you know, we don't know the true extent of the impact, but there is an impact. Uh, and I guess I just want to use one, you know, you know, uh, aspect of this, which I guess would be like an attention span. Right. Uh, there are reasons why TikTok is king of social media right now. And it's that short form content. Uh, and it's like, as time goes on, because we can have all of these things at our fingertips, it's like, Hey, I don't, a couple seconds of my time to really, to really hook me into whatever you got. And then I'm out of here. Right. Whether that's a web page, let Google take too long uh, to answer a question. Fine. I don't want to, I don't, I don't want the answer anymore. Something else. I've lost interest. <laughs> uh, oh, Netflix ain't going to load, you know, my, my Kevin Hart <sighs> movie. Fine. I didn't want to watch Netflix anyway. Let me go try something else. Uh, you know what I mean? Oh, can't get loaded into a video game. <laughs> Guess I'm not playing video games today, whatever. Uh, and it's just, we just constantly move on to the next. So as excited as I am to like be on this journey and figure out, you know, what AI looks like in 15 years, it's crazy. The jump that we've had in 15 years of smartphones, right? Uh, true. What the first iPhone came out in 2007, right? So we're, we're right there. We're, we're just at that 15 year mark. It's insane. I've, Phone has more hardware in it than than Chromebooks did five years ago, arguably even today. Right, okay. uh, so it's it's I'm really excited about getting to see where we're going to be in 15 years, tech wise, AI specifically. But I'm also really um, I'm going to say scared, I guess, for us as like how what do you I don't know, man. I'm just uh, the implications on you know us as as a people. Um, social implications uh, the last 20 years it feels like there's been a, de a decline in common sense and a lot of other things <laughs> you know? it's like uh it's i feel like we're we're hustling backwards when we should be moving so will we all kind of get on the same page and move forward together or are we going to continue this like this distancing where the older generations you know stay senile and angry uh because we had to teach ourselves everything and the newer generations you know uh do whatever they do. You know, I, I hope what I'm saying makes sense. I feel like I'm rambling now, so I'm going to stop. Uh, but that's my, that's my spiel there. I'm excited and cautiously optimistic at the same time. Cool. Well, uh, I'll, yeah, I guess I'll just go ahead and hop in. Um, where will we be in five or 10 years? <sighs> it's so hard to say the, the changes are, 
they're just coming so fast and um it's it, it just it feels impossible you know let's say elon musk actually gets the Neuralink stuff to stop frying people and chimpanzee brains and it actually starts working right i mean that would be nuts you <clears throat> excuse me you install wires in your head and then what now you can control your computer and your smartphone do you need a keyboard anymore eventually right can we imagine if computers no longer needed keyboards like uh, just yeah, instantaneous I mean, like, man yeah i mean like and then it's like well where's the bottleneck at that point and like what buffers where and how does it work and uh, I mean, like, what happens if that happens in the next five years? Does that mean five years later that it becomes consumer-grade affordable, right? And you start seeing regular people get these implants or even better, something that you, like, put on and take off your head. I remember a TED Talk I saw probably probably 10 years ago. And... um. It, the people were able to put on this little like little helmet looking thing and with that helmet looking thing they could interact with a box on a screen and they couldn't do much but they could basically push the box and they could pull the box and um you know they did it with training so i mean it would never work on the consumer market they had to sit there and think about pushing the box and then you know okay training's over and now training start think about pushing the box all right and then after a while the, the thing, I guess your brain just looks different when it's thinking about pushing a box versus pulling a box because the computer could interpret these things. And um, I think that was like maybe, maybe it's close to seven years ago. Now it's got to be 10. And so, you know, now we're getting to like 10 years from now, we're talking about Neuralink and, you know, that's supposed to be really advanced stuff. And it just, you know, I, I personally perceive the next big move is some sort of implant. I don't know if it's five or 10 years away, but you know, the cell phone has a lifespan associated with it for sure. as a technology. I don't know if it's 10 years, but I don't know. It's probably not 50 and, um, gosh, who knows what, what will be then. I wouldn't even like venture to guess what 50 years looks like. So, uh, I guess at the end of it, the answer is, I, I don't know. You know, it's the, everything moves so fast. Uh, I don't think that I could have predicted the power of, of compute today, you know, 10 years ago successfully. And I certainly can't predict what we're going to look like after introducing, you know, generative AI to the mix. I mean, did you guys see those articles about, you know, I found like X hundred theoretical different like materials that could possibly be used for as as metals or something i am sorry i don't remember the details i'm sure i got a bunch of it wrong there but you know it's something that it would have taken you know humans years to do and it was like oh three months later here's, here's a bunch of new information for you to try yeah right and um i don't know it's hard to predict that's all i'm saying that's i guess that's my ted talk no i think glad to be here matt thanks yeah it was Thank a good you. it was a good one
I appreciate it. I appreciate everyone actually. I and th I figured that there would be some general consensus, but you know, it's it's something to think about. And the reason I wanted to discuss it is because we're in unpre unprecedented times. And I'm sure every generation could probably say that, but you know, the amount of change to humanity feels way more than prior, at least from my perspective. So I wanted to get everybody's thoughts on it. But this was great. I mean, that that's really all I had. Yeah, it was uh, a good topic, Sean. Yeah, I. Well, it, it's nice to take. It's nice to take a, a thirty thousand foot view and go. All right, you know, we talk about the nitty gritty stuff a lot, but what about what about the world? Because if you think about it, if if you could unify the entirety of the world together to better the human race and come come together collectively to conquer our world and then outward, uh, we would be unstoppable. It feels like. Um, so it's interesting that over the length of our existence, we haven't come to that yet. And even with the tools to do that and break divides and all these things, it's, it still hasn't happened. It's just crazy to me. Um, but, you know, I, I think all of it is a double-edged sword. And if there's not enough caution with some of these things, and because we haven't overcome those obstacles as a race yet that there's some hesitancy there because we haven't we haven't quite gotten through those problems so it feels like we're stumbling and running when we should be crawling and really thinking through implications um but anyway I, i'm gonna start rambling again Thank you, everybody. I'm going to go ahead and end the episode because we've, I could talk about this for the entirety of the night. Man, so, we'd go on forever. Yes, oh, we yeah, would. Definitely. Yeah. But thank you for joining us sincerely. It's it's always awesome and happy to be back. I know I've been missing for a couple of these, but um, had some life stuff going on. So, um, yeah, I'm, Sean, you suck. I know. Look, oh. Whoa. Okay. Hold on. Why are you yelling at me, number one? I'm just kidding. Number two. Jordy out here sniping, <laughs> sniping, sniping you two. Yeah. You, see if you can make it to the next podcast. Let's just see. <laughs> right. I'm, about I'm about to cut you out right. on the editing. Yeah. Just gone. Thanks. Oh. No, I'm joking. Um, <laughs> but thank you all for for coming and, and supporting us. And please, I'd, I'd love to hear everybody's thoughts in the discord come talk to us we love having these conversations this stuff happens when we play games or or what have you so uh, we're always down to talk about that stuff and you know we'll see you in the next episode and y'all take it easy bye bye guys bye